Welcome to the podcast at AntiqueAuctionForum.com. This show is sponsored by Gemmer. Collect and connect at Gemmer.com. Well, I'm welcoming back Paul Brown, uh, the former auction king, and you're up to something new. What's going on, Paul? I am, Martin. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm doing great. Great to hear your voice again. Oh, well, it's great to be heard. I am am up to something new. I got hired by the Scripps Networks. Um, I'm hosting a new show on HGTV called Endless Yard Sale. And uh, it's actually kind of fun. I, I, be, I, I serve as the host of the show, and I give three teams uh, a couple of bucks each and a, and a shopping list and send them out across the state. We, uh, we ran up and down the 127 yard sale this past summer, which runs from Michigan all the way to Alabama. Oh, so I wanted did, to go to that. I, I had a friend that we were going to make a road trip, and it just didn't work out. Yeah, it's about 790 miles worth of worth of fun. If you if you're into doing what you and I do, and probably a lot of a lot of our listeners and such, I mean, it, it's like Nirvana, man. I mean, everywhere you go, if people either back their truck up and unload their truck, or all the these fields just appear as little tent cities, and everybody you ever imagine is selling every kind of good that you can possibly get your mind wrapped around. And so it runs again through through from Michigan all the way to Alabama. And we chased it through all, all the way through Ohio and all the way through Kentucky, and did two pilot episodes. Um, for Endless Yard Sale, which will be on HGTV in January, next month. I think they're going to premiere it the 15th of January with the hopes of getting some traction with it and um, doing endless yard sales all over the country. But we, we've kicked around the notion of doing Brimfield oh yeah, up in Massachusetts or Round Top yeah. Texas show or any, any of the shows that are across the country, these great big mammoth co- you know, gatherings of collectors, get some contestants, give them a couple bucks, give them a shopping list, you know, run through there. And that's kind of the general premise of it. And at the end, we have some appraisers that, you know, judge the, ba- the various fines and crown a winner. And um, it's, it's kind of fun. It's kind of like Cannonball Run meets, meets the Pickers. So it's uh, pretty cool. <laughs> now, when the appraisers get together and they look the items over, is it, uh, are these generalist appraisers or do they have specialty yeah, appraisers? Yeah, I, I think, I think that's a good term, Martin. They are generalist appraisers. But as you know, I know you're familiar with appraisers and you may have done some appraisal work. They're just like, yeah, yeah. They're just like opinions, you know. And, exactly. Um, it's very difficult to get two appraisers to agree on much of anything, um, but you know we do our best. And, you know, it's it's sort of kind of inspires you. Know, for me, in this industry that we're in, you know, the best you can hope to do is a range of values, in my opinion. And um, you know, sometimes the network likes to nail it down. You know, is this a five hundred dollar find? When in reality, you and I are talking, and we say ah, it's three five, three six hundred dollars somewhere, depending on the sale, depending on who's in the audience. But the, uh, for television purposes, they like to nail it down to a dollar value. You've probably seen it on other shows. So we, we do that. And, um, yeah, again, you're right. It's, it's, it's generalist type of praising. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, that's one of the things I do for a big uh, New England firm. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, you know, I, I, I read a lot of other appraisers' opinions formally that I'm updating or something on an appraisal. And you're right. You can do so much research, but there's no hard science to what yeah. something is worth, especially when we're talking about fair market values. When something goes out and at auction, you know, it's uh, like right. you said, it could and, be one price one day and another price another day. Just depends on who's there. Right. And then, I mean, we're, we're filled with examples of that. I always like to say uh, appraisals are for insurance companies. They're not mm-hmm. necessarily for the real world. But they're also, I can, I can expand that, appraisals are for insurance companies and for the television viewing audience, you know. So that's, you know, for the purposes of comparing and contrasting, you know, very different items, 
you know, it gives us something to, to base our values on. I, what, what's, what's funny is, like, you know, here we are, we live in 20, the end of 2014. No one person can be an expert on everything. I mean, it's certainly not That's things right. that are 100 years old, 200 years old, what, what have you. I can't even be an expert on everything in 2014, let alone, you know, 1914 or 1814. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a little bit of guesswork, like I say, but it's fun. You know, it's, it's educational, and um, you know, at the end of the day, it's kind of fun to have a new show. Someone asked me, what, what is a generalist appraiser? You know, what do you have to know? And I, the only good answer I could have is you've got to know a little bit about everything that was ever made everywhere until now. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's, a, that's great. You've got to have a very I, – I tend to – and I and I sort of ingest, I have a, have a very shallow knowledge about a lot of things. And, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's really true. And I, I don't know how one would learn – to be an appraiser. I know you and I both kind of grew up in the business, and the friends that I have in the industry all sort of share that background. It's almost you have to be immersed in it or, you know, you you're sort of inculcated into this sort of paying attention to various nuances, how things are made, how they're supposed to be made, you know, whether it's an obvious reproduction or a very good, you know, phony, um, mm-hmm. you know, things, things like that. And it really, there's no way to really teach it or learn it other than just to get out and do it, you know, go to the shows, go to the auctions, get your hands dirty, you know, see some stuff. I go to museums as well, so you can see, you know, what the sort of academic, you know, ideal of a particular type piece is, according to that museum curator, and then you use that information out in the field, at flea markets and whatnot. That is all uh, really good information, especially for anyone listening that's new in, in collecting you know, speaking of that, I'm involved with a company called Gemmer, G-E-M-R dot com, and we're actually getting collectors all together worldwide um, in different categories, and that's going to be a lot of fun because people will be able to learn as well from each other it's great that you if you want to learn. mentioned that website because I, I have sort of a caveat to that rule as far as getting out there. I've learned a lot from other collectors. In other words, if, if somebody's passionate about what, whatever it is, whether it's antique lighters or bottles or you know, architecture from the 19th century, whatever it is, if you get somebody passionate about it, they will teach you. And you just sort of exactly. soak it up. So if you, you're, you're involved with this community of collectors and whatnot, you can learn from other people that, you know, that are interested in whatever, whether it's antique channel. It doesn't really matter what it is. If there's a group of collectors that are into it, you just close your mouth and open your ears and soak it up, you know. That's right. You know, many times I've gone into a place where people collect something or actually at an auction, you start a conversation, they can't wait to tell you the information. Uh, um, they, they spill it out, absolutely. It's like an, I've, I've told people many times, and I'm sure you probably feel it some way, it's like an ongoing graduate-level education when you're in business because you just keep meeting people. And you, I'm continually blown away by the people that collect, I don't know, textiles or, you know, mm-hmm. antique bowling or, or, you know, billiard equipment or, what you know, whatever there is, there's a group of people collecting it. I mean, I can pretty much guarantee you that. <laughs> That's right, you no know, matter what it is. And there's the oddities. You know, I was at a place this last weekend where, it was an antique shop displaying, you know, their oddities. And, uh, right. you know, people will collect whatever whatever, whatever was made. <laughs> and then, I, and, and, you know, I learned a lot of doing that from obviously owning an auction gallery. And then when we did the show, Auction Kings, you know, that, that opened me up to a whole different sort of universe of collectors. So, you know, people from all over the world, quite literally, would beat a path to my door here in Atlanta with all kinds of things. You know, I thought I'd seen everything. You know, I'm in my 40s. I've been doing this since I could hardly walk. And, you know, you get this notion in your head, oh, I've seen those, I've seen pretty, you can't show me anything I haven't seen. And then sure enough, somebody walks in with something I hadn't seen, and then, of course, then they tell me about it, so I get to learn about it. Didn't I see on one of your shows of Auction Kings some, a pair of aliens or something? <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Wasn't there something <laughs> like that? The, I think originally those those came from uh, one of those little roadside attractions out there in Roswell, New Mexico. You know, where yeah. they had the um, yeah, I believe it was 1947. You know, space landing. Believe it or not, um, that that was their sort of you know I guess the lore associated with it. It was one of those little roadside attractions with you know come in, pay your fifty cents, and see some real live alien corpses. Yep. And I suspect that's kind of where those things came from. We had some fun with those on the show. That's not really serious collecting. That's just kind of, you know, there's different different levels of collecting, Martin. Obviously, you know, you know there's kind of fun, pokey, hokey-pokey collecting, and then there's really serious, you know, hardball collecting. I think those would fall into the former rather than the latter. Yeah, right. <laughs> now, we yeah. talked, uh, well, the last time we talked, um, Auction <laughs> Kings was in full swing. The right. world had really changed in everything that was going on with you down there. Can you... Tell uh, what what's going on with that. The season's more or less wrapped up, but it's still playing yeah, all over we, the world. I had I had a great I had a great run with Discovery. I've got nothing but strong positive things to say. I've still got some friends over there. My contract expired. Um, we did ninety seven episodes of Auction King. Wow. They're sort of in perpetual syndication and circulation. We're still on and throughout Europe and South America and Asia and select markets in the United States. We are not currently taping any new. Um, any new episodes? Uh, frankly, because I have a new, I have a new job. I have, I have, I'm now with Scripps Networks, which is, I suppose, a competitor. They run Travel Channel, um, Food Network, HGTV, Great American Country, and several others. And uh, it's a wonderful group out in Knoxville, Tennessee. And they have hired me to uh, to try and do this new show. And I'm very excited about it. We already shot the pilot. They're in final editing right now. And I can't wait till it comes out. It's slated to come on, I believe, January 15th on a multitude of their networks. I believe it's going to come on HGTV and Great American Country and perhaps even travel as well. So it kind of remains to be seen. That's a decision that's made a little bit above my head. But suffice mm-hmm. it to say, they've, they've entrusted me with trying to you know, start this new show. and I'm, I'm just pleased because it can be about it. Oh, I bet. Now, is that going to take away from your regular auction business, so? Once, if that yeah, thing... you know, that, that's a quick question, Martin, because, you know, as, we, as you know, we shot Auction Kings on location where I sit right now at Gallery 63. And uh, this will require some degree of travel, but the good news is, is my staff is still largely in place from the show, and some other folks that were not on the show are still here every day, and um, I, I believe they can run it just fine without me. I'll only be gone for about a week or two at a time at tops. You know, we'll go shoot. A, I mean, we were able to shoot two episodes in a week, so we did all of all of Ohio and all of Kentucky in one week, and um, yeah. so. You know, so if we go into full production, we'll, we will scout some locations. There's, all, there's always these, there's several people who claim the title of World's Longest Yard Sale. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but there's several different U.S. highways that, that claim that title. So we'll scout that out. And then, of course, we'll scout out some of the larger shows, like I mentioned earlier. Brimfield really comes to mind because I used to go to that show as a kid, and it's just enormous. And I think it'd be a wonderful episode to do. Yeah. Um, I go to Brimfield. I'm going to be there this year. Now, I think it would be loads of fun to go through those fields with a camera crew and just you know, chase people through there. Because <laughs> there's a time component to endless yard sale. It's not just, here's some money, go shopping. It's here's some money, find these things, be here by this time, and whoever has the best example of this particular, say it's advertising, you know, at the other end of this field or the other end of, you know, of this state, that's the one that gets crowned the champion. So there's just this, this rushed, you know, sort of anxious energy involved with the shoot. And so we, we try and capture that. The production company is amazing. It's called Our House Media. And uh, they just really try and catch We don't do a lot of multiple takes. It's, it's grab and go and pay and just get the real grit of, you know, what our business is like out in the field, on the, on the feet on the ground, you know, buying stuff out of, out of fields in, the, in a swampy, slushy, you know, field of Brimfield, Massachusetts or wherever. <laughs> that sounds really exciting. Now, it you're really talking is. about you, you do the whole state? Is, you, you were yeah, serious we about ran, that? 
Yeah, because we started in, uh, let's say, I believe we started in Van Wert, Ohio, which, uh, not, well, you know, whenever I go to a little place, I always like to learn about the history of it. So we started in Van Wert, which is where the Borden Cheese Factory, the formerly largest cheese factory in the world was. Oh, yeah. And we rode, all, we rode all the way down to 127, and we ended in Cincinnati. Yeah, we crowned the champion in Cincinnati right there at the riverfront. We then went to bed. We woke up the next day. We crossed the river into uh, Covington, Kentucky. Completely different vibe, completely different state. We picked up three new competitors at, you know, on the other side of the river, and we ran all the way down through Kentucky. And, and uh, basically it was a lot, a lot of road trip and a lot of buying on the road. You know, I, I'm able to follow along in the chase band, and we've got some pretty cool oh. technology stuff, so I can get, I can get virtually live feeds. Of the, of the contestants as they buy stuff and then kind of follow along. I don't give any advice. I'm merely the host, and uh, but we have a lot of fun with it. It's pretty cool. Well, I got to tell you, I've I've been all over the country and and gone gone to estate sales all over the country, and and my favorite place to go to estate sales, and I'd go there tomorrow if I could, but it's one heck of a big state, and that's California. Yeah. You know, I st- I'm talking about the Bay Area, and then you know you head south. There's a lot going on in the South, too. But, um, I mean, that's where I've found the most wonderful uh, that, things that I've ever I, found. In. I have not had a chance to do any picking up. I, I spent my honeymoon a few years ago. We drove up the whole length of the one. Uh-huh. Um, and, yeah, it got, if, I had time, if I had time to do that, I'd probably, I'd probably still be doing it because it's just such a massive state. And God knows what untold treasures are out there. So I, I would... I would agree in theory with it, but in practice, I, I have no experience. But I've done a lot of picking in throughout the South. It was funny. Is in Ohio, in Ohio and Kentucky are adjacent states separated by the Ohio River. Ohio, of course, is, is, is I guess, considered a northern state. Kentucky is sort of considered a southern state. And there really is a world of difference, even in the picking. So we're going through Ohio, and there's a lot of really fascinating, cool, old industrial stuff, you know, because Ohio have, had, has quite a, quite a bit of large city, quite a few large cities and quite a few factories, and just a lot of sort of mass-produced industrial so there's, there's wonderful pieces from most of the 20th century that you know had to do with our sort of manufacturing heritage over the last century or so and you cross the river and as soon as you get into Kentucky first of all you can get a glass of sweet tea which is just nice for me <laughs> but as soon as you cross the river it's literally a world of difference and you get into a lot more sort of agriculture and whiskey related and, and horse racing related collectibles because it's just a completely it's just separated and I say a small river it's actually a rather large river but it's really at the end of the day just a river but it's a, it's a night and day difference you know between just those two states and so that was fun for me and it just it gave me the idea that we could do it in darn near any state in the country because every state's got their own flavor you know Boy, I'll tell you what, I, I got to tell you, that's that sounds like one of the most exciting things you could possibly do. It was so cool. We ran down the Bourbon Trail, and so so one of the things that, that kept popping up time and time again were these great old pieces from old distilleries and just really neat old memorabilia that would be associated with their distillery from, you know, 1880 or 1860 or what have you, whether it's a piece of a still or an old advertising device or just these really great old whiskey barrels, for crying out loud. I mean, just virtually all these things that were associated with that particular industry that's very, you know, state-specific to Kentucky. It's associated with bourbon. And, and well, and so, of course, then that leads me to the horse racing thing. Lots of great horse racing memorabilia throughout the state, too. So. People that have racehorses have a lot of money. Hence, right. uh, those pieces can be worth a lot of money if you find um, the right thing. 
great old historical homes in that state. Kentucky's really pretty state. I had not had that much familiarity with it. But these just wonderful old sort of um, Gilded Age era homes, maybe about 1870 to about 1900, around each of these old town squares. And, you know, a lot of them had been turned into historical property. Some of them had been fallen into a state of dilapidation and disrepair. But a lot of them had been restored. I'm, that's just my that's just right in my wheelhouse, man. I love I love that late 19th century stuff. I just love it. So I'm just all digging through these houses and checking out the architecture and chandeliers and the mantles and all the stuff that's associated with that period of time. So Excellent. That's pretty cool. Now, do you, you said you still have the same crew there, more or less. Was your, is your son still working with you? My son is still working. He's a, he's a full-time college student. He works here part-time. In fact, he's my, he's my live auctioneer's go-to guy. He lists all the stuff up on oh, our, boy. When, we, when we use the uh, live auctioneer's platform to do it. In fact, we just did a jewelry auction uh, three or four days ago on live auctioneers. He does all that for me. He's of the right generation. Um, he's a senior in college studying philosophy, um, which is kind of, kind of cool because, um, you know, <laughs> I don't know what he's going to do with it, but I, um, I, I applaud a liberal arts education. I have one myself, so he'll figure it out. He does still work for me. Cindy is still with me. Delfino is still with me. Yeah, um, Don, the other member of the show, has moved on. I believe, I believe he coaches high school basketball in Virginia now. And uh-huh. um, but but the remain the other three of us are still here on a daily basis, and again, there's several others that never made the show for various reasons. So there, you know, I've got a nice, nice, strong staff here. Yeah, that's great. The last we spoke, uh, we were talking about whether it might be an idea to try online bidding mm-hmm. for your auction. You know, the, the platform of live auctioneers. So right. you actually bit the bullet. You did it. Uh, <laughs> what is I your did. experience with it? Martin, I went, I went kicking and screaming, man. I'll be honest <laughs> with you. I, um, you know, because last we talked, I was filming the show full time, which so I basically had two jobs. When we when we wrapped up Auction Kings, uh, I began to revisit it, and as I mentioned, and as you know, I have a son. He's twenty one, and um, you know, of the generation that's very sort of you know born with within the digital age. And, uh, you know, we had some conversations, and I, I basically turned the reins to him. I said, you know, let, why don't you explore these various uh, Internet auction platforms? Um, he did and decided he felt like live auctioneers was the best way for us to give it a try. And I agree that they've been pretty good to us. And we now, within each sale, I generally have about 500 lots on, a, on an all-day Sunday sale. We now have been taking, you know, maybe our top 75 to 125 lots and lifting them in order mm-hmm. and running simultaneously on live auctioneers as we have our regular auction in-house. And he just sits up there next to the auctioneer and, um, you know, has his laptop there, and, and we've been grabbing some bids. You know, it... it it brings with it its own set of challenges. I mean, every time you, you open a door, you know, and it seems like all is good, then it brings with it its own challenges. There's benefits, and then there's challenges, and you have to kind of weigh them out, um, you know, how, how best it's going to work for you. But thus far, I've been happy. I think we did four four Internet auctions last year, including one last week. And, um, you know, I think there's room for growth for me. Obviously, there's plenty of room for growth for the collecting world at large. For me personally, I'm going to you know, get in a little deeper. I'm not going to go jumping all the way in because I got this new show to play with. So yeah. <laughs> I'll do a few more online. Yeah. Well, you know, the one thing that people don't understand behind the scenes is, and I found out, uh, auctions used to be much simpler without the Internet. Um, it connects you worldwide, which is really, you know, a great thing, but it is a lot of work. It's a monumental task. Well, i tell you what it is, and from my, from my perspective only, and not from anybody else's, 
is, you know, when you open your doors to the world, right, you get a world full of tire kickers as well. Now, there's anything wrong with somebody that just wants to talk about it, but when you're trying to make a living and, you know, I'm, I'm emailing somebody in response in Thailand about it's a condition of something that, I, that in my heart of hearts I know they're probably not going to buy or even bid on, or mm-hmm. am I even going to accept the bid from Thailand to the post office box? Or, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just things, you know, it, you got to kind of weigh it out. Is this worth me doing? Now, when I get the same, you know, inquiry on a, on a piece for a condition report, and there may be in Florida or, you know, somewhere, you know, in the States, or, the, you know, at least from with a physical address that's not a post office box in Asia. Uh, you know, so it's a different story. So, you know, it does bring opportunity, but it also brings brings more work. You know, there's there's more more photography, more condition reports, more the ordering of the sale. For instance, is when I, I run a sale, sort of a general merchandise sale, as you know, and you know, I sort of conduct the order, except when we do it online. In which case, we have to go in order, which means you have to line it up in order, and it's just a little bit more work. And then, of course, then there's that opens up that whole lovely shipping department. Yeah. Always fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, the one thing yeah. I liked about uh, when I was running my auctions and I was not online is a lot of times you can feel the audience and what they're, what they're bidding on. You put something up that you know is going to go really well because it you know, it's the time to put it up. So that's where you, you, know you limit yourself I, in a I category. I forgot how much I like talking to you, because you, you and I come, come, come from a very similar place in our heads, because the, the things that you say ring, ring true. You're absolutely right. I love being able to feel the crowd. You can tell what they want. You know, I mean, then you then you see something that works, and you better be better believe I'm back there in the back trying to find another one very similar yeah. to it or something. <laughs> that, did that rug just go for eighteen hundred dollars? We need another rug now. That's you know, right. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. The good the good pusher they call it the pusher or the feeder whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Hey, Paul. So the name of the show is Endless Yard Sale. Endless Yard Sale, and you'll be able to, I believe you can probably, I think you can Google Endless Yard Sale, HGTV or something like that, and it comes up. I know, I'm 99% sure we're going to be on uh, January 15th on one of the various scripts networks. It is called Endless Yard Sale. We have two great pilot episodes there each an hour, and they are so much fun. And um, I've gotten really good feedback from the network and the production company. And it looks like um, you know, if all goes even reasonably well when they air, then we'll be we'll be hitting this, taking this baby on the road and going going across the country buying more cool stuff. Oh, I can't wait! I can't wait. Right. Um, so, Paul, someone else wants to reach your auction gallery. It's Gallery Sixty Three, and what's your website there? It's www.gallery63.net. Come see us anytime. Give us a click. Give us a call. Yes, and just uh, for the listener out there, if you're ever in Atlanta, Paul is very approachable and a fun guy. You can just stop in his gallery, and uh, he'll be sitting there strumming the guitar or whatever he's doing. <laughs> Easy going. Well, thanks, yeah. thanks, Bart. I appreciate it, man. You be good. Have a great holiday season. Hey, same to you, and we'll be talking to you again. Take care, man. Right, Absolutely. See you. Thank you for listening to this podcast at antiqueauctionforum.com. This show was sponsored by Gemmer. Collect and connect at gemmer.com.